Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 172 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring my 11 year old kid. Hello! Yeah, that's person noob comparatively new to being alive. I've only been following the game in earnest for a few years, so hence the reason that I have my moniker. Whether you are a veteran fan or noobs like us or anywhere in between, we think that you're going to enjoy this show and get some great information out of it as well. Primarily, we're going to do uh, mini-match previews of the 10 best matches from across this world the coming week. That is going to be from Friday the 26th through Thursday, February 1st. Hard to believe we're already heading up on the second month of 2024. But by the way, we're not going to be covering necessarily all the matches that a lot of other shows will. We'll pick select great matches from international tournaments. We will get the very best from domestic leagues all over the globe, big countries and small. We don't care about the size. If the match is important where it's being played, pretty good chance it is on our radar. So with no further ado, and as we prepare for lots of uh, fun and silliness in between, as well as a segment or two from person noob let's dive right in with march number one nothing was quite bright or shiny enough on a friday to make our list for the countdown so our top 10 starts on saturday match number one takes us to the bundesliga of germany which is the fourth ranked league in all of europe four teams will get to start in the champions league league, league stage uh, up till now that's always been called the group stage one will start in the league stage for the secondary tournament the europa league and another one will go to the tertiary tournament the europa conference league internationally they're about halfway through the domestic season here in your key matchup number three Stuttgart versus number four Red Bull Leipzig. Let's get caffeinated. Stuttgart, they lead uh, Leipzig by just one point in the table and then rounding out this game of musical chairs, three teams for basically the last two Champions League bursts in my opinion. Leipzig, they only lead number five Borussia Dortmund by seven on goal differential. Yeah, they're tied on points. Advantage Leipzig historically. They have never lost to Stuttgart, at least in the last 11. 9-2-0 is their record and they won 5-1 when they played on their turf in East Germany earlier this season. You can catch this edition, 9.30 in the morning Eastern Time U.S. on ESPN Plus, The Plocho. Stuttgart, the Reds, or the Swabians, named for the for, uh, the historical region in that area. Is it Swabian or Swabian? Uh, as if it's Swabian, it definitely needs to be like, you know, the, the you know the cotton sticks, the, you know, the Q-tips, something like that. No, my hope that the management would edit in a laugh track there is probably too much to hope for. That's fair. Stuttgart is the sixth biggest city in the country, metro area of about five and a half million people. And what a great standard of living economically. It's the car capital city of Germany. That's their nickname. And I mean, that's Germany. 
that's really something. And then uh, they're uh, about an hour from the Black Forest and an hour from the Swabian Alps. So you don't have to go far to get into the miracles of nature, either of a couple different directions. Footy-wise, they have won four Division I titles. Last one was the 2006-2007 season. They won the second Bundesliga, the second division, in 2016-17. So they only fairly recently even returned to the top flight. And yet here they are competing for the best of the international tournaments. Speaking of those international tournaments, in 1988-89, they had their best-ever finish as runners-up of a predecessor tournament for what is now the Europa League. 2009-2010 Champions League was their modern best. They made the round of 16 for that one. Their last international appearance of any kind was a decade ago, 2013-14 Europa League. Last year, they just about dipped out of the top flight again and got themselves relegated, moved back to the second division by finishing all the way down in 16th. This year, uh, they're pretty good and pretty balanced. They've got the fourth best offense in a high-scoring league, getting over two goals per match, number four overall goal differential. I very much like their chances of finishing at the top four. Key players to look for. Second best in league scoring for them with 17 is uh, Serhu Garasi from Guinea. He's their striker, but he is injured. So they might really be leaning on their second best team scorer with nine. That is homegrown guy Dennis Undav, another striker. Tied for one, number one on the defensive side and successful tackles per 90 minutes. I love watching guys like these. I would hate to play against somebody like that, though, with over two and a half successful tackles per match. That's Maximilian Mittelstadt, who plays left back for them. And then Germany's national team goalie of the future, Alexander Nubel. He's got uh, six clean sheets here in the domestic league, and that is third best so far. Team's current form, well, they've lost two straight against not all of that great competition, although they were on the road, so you know, throw that into measure. One in three goal differential was all they've earned. They probably got to come up with a couple of goals to beat Leipzig. And now we'll talk about them next. They've got the third best offense, defense, and goal differential going. I do think both teams are going to make it, and the Dortmund are going to be the uh, odd ones out. But I wouldn't bet the farm on it necessarily. Not yet, anyway. Key players to look for. Third best in league scoring with a dozen is Ikoma Lois Openda, Belgium striker, just 23 years old. Uh, Leicester City had been in the running over the Premier League to get him previously. And Chelsea and then Inter Milan from over in Italy, they have been very interested in him as well. Team's current form, they've lost two straight. Those were against tough competition, but they've had a little bit of trouble scoring as well. Did that with only uh, two against four uh, goal differential. Uh, betting, something I've been getting into a little bit lately. Small stakes, but keeping heavy tracks so that I feel comfortable giving uh, information or even advice to you. The line you're going to find on this is plus 160 for Stuttgart, 260 on the draw, and plus 140 uh, if you want to take the road team here. Because of the injury to Garassi for Stuttgart, I would say the smart bet here is to play, uh, light, uh, is to play Leipzig at plus 140. Match number B. Number two, bathroom talk. Follow the kids' example. Join us on a revolution to bring number B about to its full glory and destiny. Match number B is from Africa, specifically the AFCON. That is their uh, continental championship. It's reached its round of 16 and is being held entirely in the Ivory Coast. Your key matchup is Angola versus Namibia. Uh, the winner is going to get the winner uh, winners of Nigeria and the Cameroon match. You can catch this particular one at 12 noon on BN Sports or BN Sports in Spanish.
Angola, they are known as the black or sable antelopes. Very cool. FIFA rank is a bit outside the top 100, number 117. They're seated third to last in the group stage. So this is now the lowest ranked team left. And the reason that we picked this particular match, they were ranked as high worldwide as number 45. That was in 2000. 2006, they qualified for their only ever World Cup. Didn't happen to win any games there. They've won this event twice. No, excuse me. They've made it to the quarterfinals twice. Titles would be great. Last time they got that far was 2010. They made it in 2019 to the group stage, but did not win any matches there. They qualified for this knockout stage by winning the group stage this iteration by three points over Burkina Faso. Uh, Fourth-seeded Algeria, by the way, for the entire event, finished last in this group. Google up the whole event online. You'll see a number of major upsets took place in the group stage. Uh, this team had the number one offense by a factor of two, getting a full two goals per match. Number one defense and the number one goal differential by a factor of four. They dominated. On the scoring leaderboard with a couple of goals was Gelson Dalla, their attacking midfielder who plays for Qatari team Awakra. This is a guy European fans could remember if your interests run deep enough in Portugal. He played for Sporting Lisbon's B team back in the day. And then also with a pair of goals on the event, that is the singularly named Mabalulu. I hope his middle name is Lemon. That would be fun. Uh, he plays a striker position and for Al-Idahad Alexandria over in Egypt. And now looking to hunt the sable antelopes down, it is the Brave Warriors of Namibia who are actually only seated one spot higher uh, going into the group stage. Their FIFA ranking, 114. They have never been to a World Cup. And in fact, this is only their third ever AFCON appearance. They've never been past the group stage. So this is already a record for them. Uh, they qualified by finishing in third place in their group. They were tied with South Africa, lost out on head-to-head tiebreakers. So they get a, presumably a little bit of a tougher draw here. They only went one and four on goal differential, and yet that one goal was all they needed to help them to a one-one and one record over those three matches in the group stage. Number three seeded Tunisia for the entire tournament. They finished last place in this group. Yeah, another one of those upsets I was telling you about. Key player for them, they are captained by Peter Shaluli, their striker who plays for South African powers, Mamelodi Sundowns. Uh, he is their biggest offensive threat, and historically, he's had 16 goals in just under 50 matches and is the all-time national team scoring leader for them. Match number three. Still Saturday on the calendar, but sliding over to the women's side of the ball and to our third continental visit. This episode already, yeah, headed to Asia for the Japanese Women's Empress Cup final. This is their version of the FA Cup over there. It is being held in Osaka, is this final. 24 clubs from the top two leagues and then 24 more from various regional leagues all participated in this event. There's no international berth at stake. Even the uh, Asian Champions League is sort of a, uh, it's only been really an invitation. Invitational uh, so far, its first couple of iterations, but with luck and hope, eventually there will be a full-fledged Champions League that the tournament like this uh, might provide a birth to, or maybe even a secondary one. 
In any event, your final, it is Urawa Red Diamonds versus INAC Kobe Leonessa, two of the three great historical powers from the women's side over in Japan. No surprise that these two are meeting in Osaka. And we want to know how to gamble on it because it's going to be a tough call. We want to make some money. So for that, we turn to he who has access to the universal infinite, presumably, our 35, 100-year-old in-house prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, ready to strike up a match like that load sleeve and have another drug-aided or drug-addled vision that it might be questionable to bet on. Forget I said that. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Match number four. Well, unfortunate that once again, we couldn't get a hold of Noobstradamus. I guess we're not retiring off to the Caribbean, all of us, just yet. Not that that was really likely to happen with his uh, quote-unquote predictions. But I think what we heard was from the Tamadachi collection, sort of a, uh, a modern or a more modern take on the famous Inca music genre of, uh, of Osaka specifically. So at least that was fun. Saturday continues to be chock full of action and now of the minnow watching variety. We're headed to England for their FA Cup tournament, which has reached the fourth round. That means there are only 32 clubs left. The winner will earn a spot at the league stage of the Europa League. And that is a really big deal for either of those two teams because neither is in the top flight. We're going to look at Ipswich Town versus our darlings for the second, uh, not episode in a row. The last one was two weeks ago, but Maidstone United. They're still alive out of the sixth tier. Do they even get paid? If they do, it's not much. You can catch this match, by the way, 7.30 in the morning on ESPN+. Plus. Once again, a dub plocho. Even though they're not the main reason we're covering the match, we'll talk a little bit about Ipswich Town first. They entered this event last round. They are known as the Blues and the Tractor Boys. They got the latter last name when they were, uh, or nickname rather, than when, when they were playing in the Premier League uh, from 2000 to 2002. It's a very agricultural area, so other teams would sort of make fun of them uh, for that, and they have instead decided to adopt that sort of thing. They are in the east central part of the country in historical Suffolk County in the East Anglia region. Uh, it's the second biggest uh, city in that area is Ipswich after Norwich. This was also historically a very important dock town, but uh, now it's mostly kind of a leisure-related uh, town. I want to say a little bit similar to Bournemouth, kind of a retirement town, if you will. They have only ever won one Division I title, and that was long before it was called the Premier League, 1961-62. Fast forward a couple of decades, they won the predecessor tournament to the Europa League in 1980-81. And they have also won this event once, and that was just a couple years before that, 77-78 was the season. This year, they advanced over League Two's AFC Wimbledon last round by a score of 3-1. to one. They are currently in second place in the championship, the second division over in England. So they are in position to get promoted as of right now, at least. Uh, they lead number three, Southampton, by one point. I can't believe that they're just going to like rest their starters or something and continue to focus on the league race. Making this deeper run is a pretty big deal for any team outside of the Premier League. Get a little bit of an idea of what they are about. When, they're, when you're playing an underdog, you can kind of play any way you want, typically. But uh, they're very offensively oriented. They're third best in that regard in their league. They've only got the ninth best defense, a little bit above average. That's a very deep league. One and a quarter goals per match is what they give up. 
Key player to look for, second best in that league with assists with 10 is Leif Davis. He is their left back who came up with leads. Team's current form, they are 2-4-0 in their last six. And now Maidstone United. Yeah, this is a deep run and the one that everybody in the whole country, if not the entire world, pretty much outside of Ipswich, will be rooting for. Uh, Maidstone, by the way, is a town that's about a half hour kind of east southeast of London, uh, 175,000 and change probably. It's in historical County Kent, which is an agricultural area as well, known as the Garden of England. Their nickname is the Stones. Uh, not a real creative one given the club name, but I love the Amber hue on their crest kind of the writing outlining on that and the, otherwise the crest is all black it's really cool Again, this is the lowest seeded team left. They play in a league called the National League South. So they had to enter at the second qualifying round, which means this is something like their sixth match already. Uh, currently, they are in fourth place in their league. Only the winners there will get auto-promoted to the National League, which is the lowest level that is pretty much fully professional in that country. Their offense has been uh, really struggling when it comes to league play. So I'd look for a low-scoring affair if they can control the pace at all. Uh, they are tied for sixth best on defense in their league. They give up a little bit less than one and a quarter goals per match. Key player to look for on the offensive side for them anyway. With 13 goals, that puts him tied for second in that league as Levi Amanchi. We also have a USA connection, not a guy I could find very much on quickly and easily, but they have a midfielder named Connor Kelly who is officially eligible for the U.S. I don't don't know that he's really done anything with the USMNT, but he could. As far as major trophies, the best one that they've ever won, they won this league back in 2021-22. So drop down. Now they're looking to move right back up, hopefully. Teams current form, not that great. 0-1-2 in their last three with a three against five goal differential. Match number five. When the teams are tied in a top flight somewhere in the world, it is automatic. We flip the calendar page to Sunday. We head off to Greece, where their Super League race is really something else. This is the 17th ranked league in all of UEFA, so their champions will not get to start in the Champions League proper. They will have to start at the third qualifying round, and then another one will go to the second qualifying round. They'll also get a team to the Europa League third qualifying round and one to the Europa Conference League second qualifying round. So that's still a bunch. They're about three-quarters of the way through the regular season here before the top six move on to a champions round and the other eight divide into a relegation round. Your matchup is number one, PAOK Thessalonica versus number B, Panathinaikos. POK currently lead them by just four on goal differential. Panathinaikos in turn lead AEK Athens hardly out of this race by two points, but Musical chairs again. Somebody's going to be out, at least when it comes to the Champions League. Series between these two over the last, oh, I don't know, decade, dead even. 22-11 and 22. And when they played earlier this season at Panathinaikos' place, 2-2 was the score. Both of these two have already qualified for the Champions round, by the way. And they are the only two that have qualified for the domestic championship round. All right, P-A-O-K. Uh, Thessalonica is the second biggest city in Greece, has about a million in the metro. It's very touristy and considered to be the entertainment center, if you will, of northern Greece. Give you some perspective as far as the club. They're ranked probably just outside the top 50 in all of Europe. Full name of the club. Let me see if I can get this right. Pan Thessalonian Athletic Club of Constantinopolitans. 
Ooh, I think I'll stick with P-A-O-K, like the acronyms better. They are known as the double-headed eagle of the north, and that animal is represented on their emblem, and it honors the Romans who fled to Thessalonica back in the 1920s Greco-Roman War. They have won three league titles. You know, I thought it was going to be more than that. Seems like P-O-K has been great forever. 2018-19 was the last one. Europa Conference League quarterfinals, that's pretty much the best they've ever done uh, internationally or one of their best finishes. That was in 2021-22. In the 2020-21 season, uh, they made the third qualifying round. That was their most recent appearance in that event and tied for their best finish ever. Never been to the group stage. 2016-17, ah, this would be their best. They made the Europa League round at 32. Last year in league, they finished in fourth place. This year, they've got the number one offense and defense going. The defense is really impressive in a high-scoring league. Otherwise, they're giving up less than three-quarters of a goal per match on average. Key players to look for. We got a few. Tied for third best in league scoring with eight is Thomas Merg out of Austria. He's their attacking midfielder, and he is rated second best by a uh, by the uh, FootMob app that so many of us like. Number one in assists with seven is Taysan. Uh He is from, let's see here. I've got, oh, he's from Nigeria, I think. In any event, he's a left winger, 36 years old. Uh, spent the longest part of his career with Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, number one in accurate long balls per 90 minutes, and by a ton, that's a fun way to get your attacks going, is Giannis Michaelidis, their center back, 23 years old. So when the ball is deep in their defensive territory, don't be surprised to see that thing get turned around quick. And then defensively, tied for number one in clean sheets with nine on the air is Dominic Katarski, Croatian 23-year-old, who's also second best in save percentage. Not sure how much longer he's going to be around Greece. Bayern Munich and West Ham have both been showing interest in him. Team's current form, uh, they've won four straight between their league and FA Cup with a cartoonish 15 against one goal differential. Panathinaikos might be catching them at the wrong time. They play out of Athens and uh, in the five-year coefficient or however many years it is, they are ranked just inside the top 250 in Europe, but probably almost everybody is good as POK this year. They are known as the Shamrock, which is not an Irish thing, despite the fact that they've also got the green and white colors going. Simply a symbol of, I believe, uh, peace and harmony in that part of Greece or that region. They are the most accomplished team in the country in terms of uh, uh, international competitions. Domestically, they've won 20 league titles, though it's been a while, 2009, 2010. 1971 was their best Champions League finish ever, or it was a predecessor tournament. They were runners-up, lost in the final. 2023-24, oh yeah, this year they made the playoff round. That's their best of their more recent appearances. Last year, they were league's runners-up. This year, they've got the second-best offense going, and they are tied for number one on defense. This could be a low-scoring affair. I think the Panathinaikos would be happy to get a single point here. They might park the bus a little bit. That's unless they can get some goals out of a guy who's tied for number three in league scoring. That is Fotis Ioannidis, their striker. On the defensive end, number one in save percentage is their Russian veteran, 33 years old, Yuri uh, Lodigin, L-O-D-Y-G-I-N. Spent the heart of his career with a uh, uh, home country club for him, Zenit St. Petersburg, one of the two greats over in Russia. Team's current form, uh, they had a loss in their FA Cup that just snapped a seven-match unbeaten streak of their own. 
crummy feline so demanding. All right, fine. A recap of last week's matches. Yes, you shall have it. Match number one last week was a Friday match from the AFC Asian Cup group stage. Number B in their group, Iraq, took on number one Japan, and Iraq got the upset two to one. They switched positions in the table. Match number B from the top flight in Australia, the A-League men, number one Wellington Phoenix, took on number B Melbourne Victory, a 1-1 draw there, no change in the table. Saturday, match number three from the Bundesliga, number four Red Bull Leipzig, took on number one Leverkusen, and Leverkusen won in a shootout, 2-3, no change in the table there. Match number four, to the Caribbean we went, to the first division in Curacao, number one Scherpenhuvel took on number B Young Columbia, they played to a 1-1 draw, no change in the table there. Match number five, we went to the microstate of Andorra in Europe for a match from the Primera Divisio. Number one, UE Santa Coloma took on number B, Interclub de Scaldes. They played to a nil-nil draw, no change in the table there. Match number six from the Lesotho Premier League. Number one, Matlama versus number B, Leoli. A 1-1 draw, no change there either. Match number seven from the Premier League in Rwanda. Number B, the police took on the Army who were in first place and it was the Army with the larger arsenal. Got the nil-one win that knocked the cops down in number three. Monday match number eight from the AFCON group stage. Number one, Cape Verde versus number B, Egypt in their group. And the result was a 2-2 draw. Little Cape Verde really holding their own. Egypt's Mustafa Mohammed had a goal guy we said to look for. Match number nine from Wednesday, the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie for the 2023 overall title in Colombia's top flight. Millenarios versus Junior FC. Millenarios overcame a 1-0 deficit, won this one 2-0 to win 2-1 on aggregate. Match number 10 from the group stage of the UEFA Women's Champions League. Number B in the group, BK Hawken took on number 3, Paris FC. Nobody scored, no change in the table. And now with explanations coming later, these were your three bonus match results. From Saturday's route of the week, we went to the Division of Honor in Guadalupe. Number one, Sporting uh, Bay Mahalt took on number 15, CERFA. No surprise there. Sporting got an easy 2-0 win. The most meaningless match in the world came on Saturday from the Premier League in Cambodia. Number six, National Defense, better known perhaps as Tiffy Army, took on number five, Deng Senche, And it was a route for Tiffy. 4-0 on the win. They switched positions in the table. But this was the last match of their regular season before the league divided into championship and relegation rounds. Neither team ended up quite making it to the top four. And then finally, your matchup, Disappointed, was from the second division in Scotland. The championship there, number nine, Air United, took on number 10, Arbroath. The result was a 2-0 win from the home side. Air United's Logan Chalmers, that we said to look for, had a goal. This moved them all the way up to number seven. But Air United, we still got an eye on you and find you just about as disappointing as we did before, but congrats on getting a little further from the relegation zone. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Don't even need to get on a plane for this one. Take a nice, long, scenic bus ride to Italy for their Serie A matchup. By the way, this is the number three ranked UEFA League in Europe. They're just over halfway through the season there. And this race is turning into a tremendous one for the last two of the four Champions League berths that there will be. There's teams all the way down to sixth, seventh place in the race for this. The matchup is number four, Fiorentina. They hold down that last spot right now. And they are taking on title contenders number B, Inter Milan. Inter Milan have the advantage uh, in recent history, having accrued a dominant 17-8-7 and record, and they won 4-0 in Milan earlier this season. You can catch this iteration at 2.45 in the afternoon Eastern Time in the U.S. on Paramount+. Plus. 
But that's all you're going to get out of us for these two teams this particular week because there's going to be so many opportunities to cover stuff from a tremendous race over there. This is the time of show where I let my daughter take over for... Aminals from around the world. Yeah, it's more fun when Person Noob is here to do the theme song with me, but she's a busy, busy little schoolgirl now, middle school specifically, involved with uh, basketball, archery, all kinds of fun things. But she has provided us with a very interesting animal to look at. It's not endemic purely to Italy, but uh, southern Europe and probably specifically the northwest portion of the country is where you would frequently find this beer, uh, bird, or as uh, frequently as you could anyway, for something that has a status of near-threatened did a little bit better as the 20th century went on. Talking about the bearded vulture, Latin name uh, Gepatus barbatus, also known as the Lammergeier, which means lamb vulture. We'll get into why shortly, just as we will for Ossifrage, which means bone breaker. Even as birds of prey go, this is a fairly large one. One of the unusual things about it is it has a lozenge or a diamond-shaped tail. Uh, it's been described as basically being built like a falcon, except uh, larger in every uh, basic dimension. Uh, probably averages near four feet long and maybe with an eight-foot wingspan, roughly. It's got a smaller head than a lot of birds of prey, but a big, thick neck, and it is not bald like most vultures. Uh, coloration is dark gray as far as adults go, uh, rusty, whitish in color, gray blue, gray black on the top parts, creamy colored uh, forehead, and then that has a black band that goes across the eyes, makes it look really uh, villainous, and then it gets its English name, bearded, from the bristles under the chin. This is a bird that knows silence is golden other than uh, occasionally kind of chica cheek falcon-like calls uh, or shrill whistles during breeding displays. This bird effectively doesn't do any vocal communication at all. Lives on crags up in the high mountains in southern Europe, East Africa, the Indian subcontinent, uh, Tibet, and the uh, Caucasus region. It does very well in particular in Ethiopia for some reason, where it uh, largely uh, you know, lives at garbage dumps, does very well. One of the few instances where they're well below uh, their usual altitude. They rarely venture below 2,000 feet in most cases. About 80% of this creature's diet is bone, and it is the only vertebrate on the planet in which that is so high. And uh, to eat those, it can uh, it can mash up bones pretty good, but if it's got a bigger bone, uh, you know, too big to eat right off the bat, but... Uh, carryable, it will carry it to a really great height and then drop it down onto rocks. Fun story about that that may or may not be a legend in a little bit. It also attacks more live prey than most vultures do, like tortoises in particular, and some golden eagles are known to do this as well. Uh, carry tortoises way up into the air and then uh, drop them just like they would a bone. Try to crack that shell, get to the delicious meat inside, presumably. Uh, the declines of these birds have been documented throughout their range, uh, and it results largely from a decrease in habitat space, I read, which is unusual to me, weird, since it uh, you know, is so high up. It has a lot of fatal collisions with power lines whenever there's more infrastructure being put in place, uh, reduced food availability food availability, uh, poisons that are left out for other carnivores it tends to eat, and then also it's still persecuted by trophy hunting. Conservation efforts, at least in Europe, have largely been focused in Spain and France, and actually Southern Europe is where it's doing the least well, uh, largely reintroducing 
uh, you know, birds from Afghanistan or other places into this environment, which wasn't going well at first, but then in the 80s they figured out that if you just take them where they need to be and then hand feed them until they're big enough to fly and feed themselves, then it tends to go okay. Some fun stories about that. They don't specifically relate to Southern Europe. For, well, one of them does. But interesting, nevertheless, in Iran, this thing is known as uh, Homa, very holy bird. If you were said to come under its shadow, it meant that you were destined to rise to sovereignty. Uh, on the other hand, if you shoot one, uh, the legend said that you would die within 40 days. And then uh, the Greek playwright uh, Aeschylus, he was said to have died uh, from having a tortoise dropped on his head. Now, the story says eagle, but uh, given the number of eagles versus this other type of bird and the way it would have been at the time, most people say that if there is truth in the story, it probably was going to be a bearded vulture, actually. And also in ancient Greece, soothsayers. Hey, Nostradamus, uh, you never really had you talk about ornithology. Are you in... Uh, Ornithomancer, are you even hearing us? We had trouble getting a hold of you earlier in the show. Uh, Greek soothsayers looked to this bird a lot for political and military uh, decisions and advice when they wanted to give that. So that's what we've got on the bearded vulture using soccer as our excuse to learn lots of fun things all about the world. And that was Aminos from around the world. And in the words of Persanoob, oh yeah. Match number seven. All righty, last call for the weekend. We're headed over to France for this one. Match number seven from their League One, which, by the way, is the number five ranked league in all of UEFA. So this is the best league that does not max out on the European berth. Still, they get three that go to the Champions League league stage. Uh, they'll get one more that'll have to start a couple of rounds back in the third qualifying round. One to the Europa League league stage and one to the Europa Conference League playoff round. Fifth place isn't too bad. They're just over halfway through their season there as well. Your matchup, dominant, number one, Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, taking on surprise Champions League berth holders right now, Brest. PSG lead number B, Nice, by eight points in the table. Uh, Brest, they lead number four, AS Monaco, by a single point. Series between these two, Brest have never gotten a win and, in fact, have only gotten one draw in the last 16. When they played earlier this season, it looks like it was competitive. PSG won at Brest 2-3. You can watch this one, see if Brest will get their first ever win. 2.45 in the afternoon Eastern Time on B in Sports and B in Sports and Espanol. PSG simply nicknamed the Red and Blues. They have won 11 league titles and are your two-time defending champions. They've won all but two of the titles, I believe, uh, for the last uh, decade or so. 2019-20, they were runners-up in the Champions League. I was surprised to relearn still that they have never won the Champions League title. I always assume that they've got a few because they've been so dominant domestically. They've got the number one offense in the league by a lot, getting almost two and a half goals per match and a top three defense to go with it. Number one goal differential by a factor of two and a half. No matter how this match happens to turn out, they're likely not going to be threatened for their third straight title. Bunch of players to look for, and since this is far and away the most important team in France, I don't mind mentioning them. Number one in scoring by by a factor of better than two with 19 is Killian Mbappe, their striker, runaway league MVP candidate, I think. Uh, he's in the last six months of his contract here. you got to wonder what's happening. Is he going to go away on a free or stick around? Liverpool and Real Madrid are looking like the biggest likelihoods if he's to move. 
Second best in assists in the league with six is Osmani Nembele. He is their right winger, arrived here after six years with Barcelona. Number one in accurate passes per 90 minutes, one of their starters, a center-back Brazilian Marquinhos. He's been here for the last 10 years and change. In fact, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they have the top three most accurate passers. Two of them are regular starters, and one of them uh, is, is sort of their, uh, let's say, first man off the bench. He starts a fair bit. Number one in blocks per 90 minutes, Danilo Pereira from Portugal, another center back who spent the heart of his career over there with one of the big three, Porto. Number one in possessions, one in the final third. That means getting the ball back from a defender and trying to get that offense started in again immediately. Look for Manuel Ugarte from Uruguay, midfielders, 22 years old, who came over from another one of those big Portuguese clubs, uh, Sporting Lisbon in this case. Chelsea and Liverpool had been really interested in him, but PSG must have offered the most because that's where he went. The number one in goals prevented. This isn't exactly saves, but he directs a really good defense. That is Gianluigi Donnarumma from Italy, who spent seven seasons starting in his teens with AC Milan. He's just 24 years old still. 60 national team appearances already since 2015. Team's current form, they're on a 12-match unbeaten streak and have won five straight across all competitions. And now the really interesting one here, because I know veteran fans know PSG, but how much do you know about uh, Brest? B-R-E-S-T. Full name is uh, Stad Brestois 29. I did a little bit of looking. I don't even know what the 29's about. They weren't established in 1929, but whatever. They're the Pirates. They're uh, the city of Brest, for which their name is on the west, kind of northwest coast. It's the most westerly point in mainland France. Got a little under 150,000 people in the city proper, well under 400,000 for the metro. Uh, this was an industrial area as well as being a historical port. The industry largely went away in the 1990s. Now it's more of a university town in addition uh, to the water-related economical things. This is a team that has not been uh, here forever and ever in the top flight. They got back to Division One in 2018-19. And as recently as 1994, I think they were down in the third or maybe even fourth division. 1980-81, they got their only major title, really. They won League Two. 2021-22, they finished in 11th place in, the, in this league. And that's, uh, at least here in the modern era, that's the best they've ever accomplished. Last year, they were in 14th place. This year, they're just better on both sides of the ball, particularly on defense. They're top four in that regard. Uh, three quarters of a goal and change per match on average is all they give up, and they are second best in goal differential. Even if they lose to PSG, I love their chances of finishing, uh, certainly in the top three, although I don't think even if they win today that they're actually going to challenge PSG for the title. There's just too many points and not quite enough season left between it all. Key players tied for third best in assists in the league with five is Romain Del uh, Castillo. He is a French right winger. He's also got five goals. He came up with uh, Lyon over here. And then second best in the MVP race, in my opinion, probably for the league after, obviously, Kylian Mbappe. Pierre Lismelu. He is a central midfielder, also French. Just one goal, no assists. He is number one in accurate long balls per 90 minutes. More of a defensive guy. The game really runs through him, and maybe more than any other player in the league based on the amount of volume he gets. He's not getting the assists, but he is setting everything up. And he gets fouled a ton, which helps them a lot. Plus, he's a very good tackle. Clear.
And the number one in save percentage, the only guy in the league saving more than four out of every five shots on target, that is their netminder, Marco Bizot from the Netherlands. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last nine matches with an 8-1-0 record. Can they mount a formidable challenge against PSG? Match number eight. All right, since you got cheated out of Italy earlier, we'll go back for another match. But this time on the women's side of things from Monday, match number eight comes from the Serie A Femenina. It is the number five ranked women's league in all of Europe. One of their teams will start in the Champions League group stage or event proper. No, check that. One of them will start in the second qualifying round, just shy of that, and then a second team in the first qualifying round. They're almost three-quarters of the way through the regular season before theirs, like we talked about one league earlier, uh, dividing into championship and relegation rounds. Your matchup is number B, Juventus, versus number three, Fiorentina. Take a look at the table. Roma are in first place and not likely to be challenged. They've got 39. I think you're there. You're defending champions. Uh, Juventus, they have 33, and Fiorentina are at 31. I don't think there's any close challenger from fourth place on down. Series between these two has been mostly Juventus. 7-1-1 is the record. They won at Fiorentina earlier this season 1-2. You can catch this one on Fox Soccer Plus at noon on Monday afternoon. Eastern time, by the way. Juventus, they are known as the Black and Whites. Fairly young club, like a lot of these are over in Italy. Uh, founded in 2017. Last year, they finished in second place. Uh, they won the five years before that, every year of their existence until last season. Last year, they lost in the first round, qualifying round final of the Champions League. They do these three or 14 brackets for the first round. 2021-22, they made the quarterfinal. That is the best they have ever done. Statistically, the offense is good, but the defense is tremendous. Tied for number one in that regard, giving up a bit over three quarters of a match uh, of a goal per match on average. They've got the second best goal differential. Don't think they're going to challenge Roma, but I like them to hang on to this uh, spot, especially if they can get three points against Fiorentina on this particular day. Key player to look for, tied for number one in league scoring with seven is Lenneth Bierenstein from the Netherlands, plays left wing, spent five years with Bayern Munich, so you know she's good because that's a very good team over there. Team's current form, 6-0-1 in their last seven, and even given the loss, they've only conceded three goals over that whole stretch. Can Fiori get even, uh, Fiorentina get even one on the road? Uh, they are known as the Lilies and play in Florence. They were founded in 2015, won their only like, league title, 2006. 16-17, right before I think Juventus must have started their stretch. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, they're well-balanced. Uh, number three offense, getting almost two and a quarter goals per match. Third best defense, third best goal differential. They are who they are. I think they're going to stay in that position. Tied for number one in league scoring, we have a little bit of a U.S. connection here. Veronica Bocchete from Spain, attacking midfielder, who played, I'm not sure for how long, but I know at one point she was with Utah Royals. Team's current form, four straight wins, but it's worth noting that they have not managed to keep a clean sheet in any of their last five matches. Match number nine. The last matches of our main ten are Tuesday matches. Number nine takes us to the women's side of things once again in the Champions League of UEFA, where there are four groups of four left fighting. The top two from each 
of those groups will advance to the quarterfinals. This is the last match of the group stage, so really important. Number three, Bayern Munich. That's number three in their group versus number one, PSG. Yeah, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain getting another shout-out. Let's look at the table. Picked this one because the whole group is still alive and very competitive. PSG are on nine points, looking good. Ajax have seven out of the Netherlands. Bayern Munich have six, and Roma have five. No one has mathematically secured a spot, although PSG are looking nearly 100% to at least do no worse than second. No one is mathematically out of it, not even Roma, though they may need a touch of help. Series between these two teams, 2-1 two, and 2. Bayern won when they played earlier in this group stage. No one in Paris. You can catch this one on streaming service DAZNUSA, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Time U.S., but this is the time of show where noobs tummy starts to get a little rumbly. Time to take a culture break. And while that can mean art, architecture, any number of things, that usually means food. And so we're going to get into it. And let's look at a Bavarian specialty. It's not exclusive to Bavaria, but some of the ways they make it are talking about Dumpfnudel, which means steam dumpling. Uh, it's a very typical dish in southern Germany, uh, parts of France, as well as in Austria and Switzerland. You can find it served as a main dish or a dessert with some kind of sweet sauce or fruit over it. Uh, more often, you'll find it as a main dish in the Bavarian region of Germany uh, that includes uh, Munich, since we're talking about Bayern. Although it's usually more sweet than in other areas when served as a main dish. So you're going to end up with something about the size of an egg. I won't give you a full recipe, but here's the basics. It's made from dough composed of white flour, water, yeast, salt, butter, margarine, sometimes also eggs and a little bit of sugar, and that is more Bavarian. Uh, the dough, again, it's about egg size with the ball. Uh, you leave it to rise and then cook it in a covered pot, preferably since you're steaming it, you want to use like a high-rimmed iron pan with a lid and then uh, mix in a mixture of milk and butter for the Bavarian style, or you can use salt, water, and fat that is going to give it a saltier crust and is more in the Rhineland or uh, Palatinate style from Germany. You uh, let it cook until a golden brown crust has formed at the bottom after the liquid has evaporated. The top will remain white. You don't want to wait till that potentially, bound, uh, potentially browns. Now, uh, this is something that is served savory in Bavaria and other places. You'll use accompaniments like cabbage, salad, uh, gherkins, potato soup, lentil soup, or the one that sounds best to me, mushrooms and a bechamel sauce. That's savory. Um, in the Rhineland, again, you're going to get more of a salty crust. A little bit of interesting uh, history about, or at least legend, about the Dampfnudel. I have a feeling that it's true, but I don't know for sure. And there are actually city gates in the Rhineland region of Germany that are named for this food dish. Uh, in Freckenfeld and Kandel, uh, two of the towns in that region in western Germany, uh, really near the French Alsace border. Uh, it is said that during the Thirty Years' War, Swedish troops arrived at Freckenfeld and they demanded a ransom. And then there was a master baker there and his wife and an apprentice, they made nearly 1,300 of these Dampfnudels to feed the soldiers, who then went ahead and spared the village from any further extortion or pillaging or anything like that. And this is a really big deal down there culturally because uh, Dampf, uh, the Dampfnudel tours or Dampfnudel gates are featured even on the coat of arms for specifically the municipality of Freckenfield. So a little bit of a fun story to go 
with your food. Certainly worth trying to find at a German restaurant if you can get one in the Bavarian style or even trying to make it yourself. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Oh, she gets so impatient once in a while, but they're still so cute when they get to be that age. Match number 10 headed to Asia for their Continental Championships, the AFC Asian Cup, which reached its round of 16. It's going to be held entirely in Qatar, as it has been so far. The juiciest-looking matchup to us in the knockout stage looks like Uzbekistan versus Thailand. The winners are going to get to play either the host Qatar or upstarts Palestine, and that's not a, a commentary on anything going on geopolitically out there. They've been having a really quality run as well, and a surprising one, just like Thailand. Uh, these two have played once before, at least in recent memory, and Uzbekistan won that match. You can watch this one. Get the coffee going. Percolating. 6.30 in the morning on Paramount+. Plus. Uzbekistan, they are known as the White Wolves, and are seated number 10 in this event. FIFA rank worldwide, number 74. Best they've been, about twice as good. Number 45. They got there 15 years ago. Never have qualified for a World Cup proper. 2000 2019, they made the round of 16 in this event. 2011, they were fourth place, best they've ever done. In this year's iteration, they finished in second place in the group stage, just two points behind Australia. Yes, and they compete in the AFC uh, for about the last decade. They went 4-1 and one with their goal differential and were tied in both regards with Australia. So a really strong showing. Key player, well, they are captained by Eldor uh, Shomurodov, a forward who is on uh, loan from Roma with a different Serie A side uh, right now called uh, Cagliari. They're not as good as Roma, but still not too bad. This guy's nickname is the Uzbek Messi, and he plays in a lot of ways stylistically just like the striker. He's got 38 goals and 69 national team appearances and is their all-time national scoring leader in Uzbekistan. And now Thailand, the real reason that we picked this one, the War Elephants, they were seeded number 21 of the 24 teams remaining by ranking in the group stage. So it's the lowest one left. They ranked number 114 worldwide, got about as high as Uzbekistan did once in 1998. They reached number 43 in the world. They, too, have never been to a World Cup. 1972, they finished in third place in this event, best all time. 2019, the last iteration, round of 16 they made that, and that is their modern best, or tied for their modern best. And they have won four out of the last five AFF titles. That is the sub-regional continental championship for Southeast Asia. They are the flag bearers for that region. They finished second place in their group, two points behind mighty Saudi Arabia. And they did it by just going two versus nil on goal differential. Even though there were only two goals on those matches, they went 1-2-0. and oh. Both of their goals were scored by uh, Supachai. I love that first name. Uh, Chia did. He is a forward who plays for one of the really good domestic teams in Thailand, Buraram United. And then they are captained by a guy we've talked about before here, Tiratan Burmatan, a left-back 33-year-old veteran, also plays for Buraram. And congratulations to him. He just hit his 100th national team appearance earlier in this event. He is not fast, never has been, but he reads the game very well defensively. So he's a lot of fun to kind of watch off the ball. And he's a really good set piece special specialist for them as well. So if they're able to pull the upset, I would expect him to be involved in a goal that starts in that particular way. Bring forth the bonus matches. And the first of the three is a first versus last place matchup. My daughter dramatically calls the... Route, route, route. 
route of 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 the week 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 and we have selected for you a Saturday match. We're headed to Africa once again for the Botswanan Premier League. Botswanan, Botswanian. I'm not even sure of the demonym, but I can tell you that they are the 18th ranked league in all of Africa. They've got to get uh, to the top 12 before they get to send two teams to the Champions League. They still do get to send one, of course. And then on the other end of things, since we are doing the last place team, we're nearly so. Four of the 16 teams get relegated. That feels like a lot. They're close to halfway through the season there. Your matchup, number 15, Nico United versus number one, Township Rollers. Uh, the Rollers, they lead number B, Gabo. Barone United by five points, one of your historical powers there. And then Nico, they trail number 12, Arapa United by three points. Arapa representing the lowest point that would be outside the relegation zone, moving down to another division potentially. Nico United struggling this year. They are known as Majambolo or the Baby Jambos after that. Interestingly, I uh, did a little bit of research on the name Majambolo. It's a name for the area, kind of a nickname, and yet it's not historic and it doesn't seem to mean anything like in the Setswana language down there. The team plays out of the city of, this is hyphenated, Celebi uh, Fikwe, and it is historically a mining town, exclusively nickel pretty much, city in the east central part of the country, about a 40,000 population or so. The mine went out of business, closed down finally in 2016, which quite frankly was longer than they thought they were going to be able to keep it open, and so this area hasn't been doing as well economically for the last uh, maybe decade nearly. Last year, they finished in 12th place, finished just outside that relegation zone. The danger is greater this year. They are tied for number 13th on offense, only getting a little over than three quarters of a goal on average. The defense is better, but obviously not enough to buoy them up out of the relegation zone. They've got the number 14 goal differential. I don't see them getting points here at home. I don't see them climbing out of the rec uh, you know, out of that relegation zone. That said, teams current form are always looking for a little bit of light here. They're 1-2-0 and in their last three with a 2-1 and goal differential. So that mediocre defense looking a little bit even better than that of late. But now Township Rollers coming to ruin it. They are known as the Blues or Popa Popa. Now by itself, Popa means essentially united in the Setswana language. But when you put it together, uh, the meaning changes and it tends to mean more uh, the one who molds himself. It seems to be a reference to them having become one of the greatest in the country with Without a major financial backing for the club. Uh, they, too, like their rivals United, they play out of Gaborone, the capital city, and have won 16 league titles. Last one, 2018-2019. In terms of Champions League success, they made the group stage in 2018, best they've ever done. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the league. This year, looking for that crown. They are second best on offense, but really excel on defense, where they barely give up more than a goal every other match on average that is tied for best in the league. Only the second best overall goal differential. I wouldn't bet a lot of money if you can find a future on them to win the league, but you could throw a flyer at it if you wanted to. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last nine matches after all, although it's worth noting that their last two, they only managed nil-nil draws. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> 
And now on perhaps what some people might consider a meaningless day, Wednesday, right in the middle of the week, you get your most meaningless match of the world. Teams we celebrate in song that perhaps nobody else is talking about. We're headed to the Caribbean. The Division of Honor is the name of the top flight in Guadeloupe. They are just over halfway through the season. The winners will get to go to a tournament called the CONCACAF Caribbean Shield. That is the tournament for amateur leagues and teams down there. The winner will get to go on to the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup, a professional one, and so on and so forth, leads up the change. Your matchup, number nine, La Galois versus number seven, uh, Juness Evolution. Uh, Juness, they trail number one sporting by Mahalt by 13 points. You can see why they're not, uh, you know, they're pretty meaningless right now. They're not going to be going into international play. And then La Galois, they lead uh, number uh, 13 out of the 15 teams, Solidarité Scolaire by seven points. That represents the point of relegation, so not much danger there. When the two teams played earlier this season, it was uh, Juness only managing a 1-1 draw. Now La Galois, they get to host. They play out of Basse, uh, Base Terre, the capital city. Their crest is a absolutely screaming rooster. Not only is its mouth open, but it's even got the little, uh, you know, not emojis, but the little symbols indicating the sound is coming out. Seems very angry. It's got arms and huge uh, anthropomorphic pectoral muscles. It's not quite nightmare fuel, but you can starve a mouse on the difference. Don't like it. Uh, they've won two league titles. Both of those were back in the 1970s. They haven't made an international appearance of any kind since 1990. Last year, they finished a somewhat distant second place in the league, a lot less meaningless last year. This year, a perfectly even 5-4-5 five, and five record. They're a little bit worse than average on offense, a little bit better on defense overall, the number eight goal differential. They're not going to be going anywhere. Team's current form, oh, so appropriate for the meaningless match. One, one, and one in their last three. And then Jeunesse Evolution, they play out of the commune of uh, Abime, which is uh, just east of the capital, not too long a trip, even by Caribbean island standards. Last year, they finished in fifth place, just a touch above average. This year, they're just a touch above average on offense and defense. They might climb a notch or two, but aren't likely to go too far. They've got the sixth best goal differential. Team's current form, though, uh, they just lost to number six, Fair Du Canal. That snapped a five-match unbeaten streak for them. And now for your final match. Speaking of Nightmare Fuel, this is the match of... Disappointed! And Kevin Sorbo is so darn mad because these two teams are so disappointed. Your match of Disappointed is the bottom two teams from some league somewhere in the world. And we're headed back to Europe for a Sunday match from the microstate of San Marino, an enclaved state within Italy. Their league is ranked last in UEFA. Not a real big surprise there. I mean, they've got a tiny little population they're drawing from. It's got 16 teams. There's no relegation out of this league, which is uh, very fortunate for these two teams because they wouldn't be they wouldn't be surviving in any top flight anywhere in the world. They're just over halfway through their season. Your matchup is number 16, Penarosa versus number 15, San Marino Academy. This is their national all-stars uh, under-22s team, essentially. Uh, San Marino Academy, they lead Penarosa by seven points in the table right now, just over halfway through the season. Penarosa, they play out of the city of... Uh, Chiesa Nuova in the southwest part of the state, population of about 1,200. That means New Church. Uh, the club name itself means Red Pen, and in fact, there is a strange-looking red quill right on the badge. I'm not sure why, but it looks pretty cool. 
They've actually won the league title before. That was back in 2003-2004. I guess if you get enough shots at it without no fear of relegation, anything could happen. Last year, they finished in 12th place. This year, they are the only winless team in the league, and they have only earned one little tiny point. They've got the worst offense going, but the defense is really their bugaboo. Worst by a lot in San Marino, giving up over three goals per match. That's just unheard of. Teams current form, they are winless in their last eight and have only scored three times over that entire stretch. And now the kids, San Marino Academy. I think they play in San Marino City, the capital. They were not in this 15-team league last year. They're pretty, uh, I was going to say well-balanced. I guess you would say poorly balanced. Number 13 offense, number 14 defense. Number 14 overall goal differential. I don't think they're going to finish in last, but boy, they will flirt with the idea, won't they? Team's current form, they have lost three straight matches. Oh, no, double that up. Make that six straight matches. And they've given up an absolutely abhorrent three against 22 for their goal differential over that stretch. And on that heinous note, instead of wishing them good luck or good fortune, we will shoo them away and heckle them out of here in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And that'll put a bow on it. This has been episode 172 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring my kid, Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, for all of his continued creative efforts and inspirations. Thank you to you for finding us. We hope you enjoyed it. That you'll consider passing us along to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care.